0: I'm Harriet Robinson, your host for the duration of the latest transformation podcast for Bristol's Colston Hall. This one's all about the venue's unique heritage.
1: Sixteen minutes past four. The news that uh, we promised you about the Bay City Rollers, uh, which has just come in, is that their concert in Colston Hall, Bristol tonight, has had to be cancelled. <laughs>
2: What was the
1: many regular Saturday afternoon viewing, is now the preserve of a small, very loyal band of regulars. I just asked a good laugh. I've been coming
3: I've 17 years. I've been bad about four times though. Twelve. So next time you visit the Colston Hall, don't complain too much about the tasteless colour scheme or the lack of facilities, because slowly but surely the Colston area is transforming into a much-improved leisure complex.
0: (laughs) Thanks to BBC Points West for those archived gems. As you all know by now, the venue's undergoing a mammoth modernising programme, following on from the development of the foyer some ten years ago. But beneath the shiny new space and its story of technical improvements and progressive policies, there's another story, one about history and legacy, which leads me nicely to our first guest. Well, I'm in the glass room in Colston Hall, which is covered in dates and numbers. We've got a timeline on the wall going from 1867 right up to next year. And I'm here with Ella Kenny, who's a project officer for Colston Hall's heritage project. Thanks for meeting me. It's a bit echoey in here, but I guess it's quite empty at the hall at the moment, isn't it?
4: It is, yeah. Well, we've got our big transformation project
0: underway, and I work on a specific part of that that's funded by the National Heritage Lottery Fund. I think you're the right person to tell us what Colson Hall's doing in terms of heritage, because it's quite a broad uh, spectrum, isn't it? It's a really broad spectrum.
4: I mean, if you look at the things that have happened in the hall in the past, it's so eclectic. Everything from Circus and wrestling to hairdressing shows, it's all going on. So, we've got a really exciting programme of activity that's going alongside the building work and our new archive programme, and also our ambitions
0: to make a new exhibition space. So, there's loads going on in terms of heritage. And I've heard it called the intangible heritage of the hall. What do you mean by that?
4: So, if you go and talk to anyone across Bristol, most people have some memory of engaging with the hall or their family member with have been here. So there's some connection through everyone in Bristol. So as part of this project, we're working with a fantastic oral historian called Top Foster and a reportage illustrator. So that's a live illustrator called Matt Booker. And they're going around for us collecting memories of people who have engaged in the hall in some capacity. But what we're looking for is not just the immediately obvious activity but the more varied so we've been talking to wrestlers, we've been talking to school children about their experiences at the moment, we interviewed a full family so three generations at once um, looking at their memories of it and it will culminate in an exhibition in November 2019 which will display some of the reportage illustrations and people will be able to listen to those recordings and then we'll have them for the rest of the history of the hall which is really exciting and something that we're really really happy and proud
0: to be offering perfect thank you very much ella interesting to hear all this don't go anywhere because i'll be back with you in a few minutes
3: cool <laughs>
1: we had a guy here uh johnny clays his name was rory gallagher uh, and a marvelous um, irish blues guitarist was here with his band taste
0: Status Quo, I love Roxy Music. I saw two or three times here in the 70s. The first time I came to the Corson Hall was in 1956. I think it was just before I got married, so it was before July. We came to see Stan Kenton and his big band, which was absolutely fantastic. The place was absolutely stomping. You know, <laughs> it's the first time they'd ever appeared in England, and um, we met them at the stage door afterwards and uh, got their autographs and they asked me to go back to their hotel with them which didn't go down very well with my boyfriend at the time
2: my absolute
4: favorite was ella fitzgerald and i can see her now on that stage
2: there i can see her summertime
4: And her pianist, as we called it in those days, he was an
3: American. I can't remember his name, but he was brilliant. And she had the band, you know, and it was absolutely, it was wonderful.
2: So this is kind of quite modern stuff. You also got digital material. So we're cataloguing the digital material just as you would the
0: paper. I'm in uh, Bristol Archives, which is in an old bonded warehouse down by the river in the city, down near Hotwells, here to meet Louise Anderson, who's the project archivist for Colston Hall. What does your role involve, Louise? My role basically
2: involves making the history, the records of Colston Hall, safe and accessible. Yeah, so I rebox things, repackage things to make sure that the actual physical object lasts a bit longer, but then I'm also cataloguing them so that people can find them uh, online
0: and then come and view them and research them. Cool. It's a pretty amazing place to work. If we are kind of describe where we are, there's these huge old books which must be... Hundreds, hundreds of years old? About a century and a half. Okay, they're, they're absolutely massive. They're kind of like half a metre across and they are, you can see them kind of disintegrating a little bit. So I guess it's kind of tough for you because you've got to go through all of this and make it digital right?
2: Well ideally we would yeah so these big volumes that you're seeing are plans of the entire city because they were sorting out the sanitation and drainage and things like that in the 19th century and there are some cost and hall plans in some of these volumes but because the volumes are so big they're actually damaging the plans inside so in an ideal world yes we digitize um, all of the plans uh, but of course that costs an awful lot of money. Mm. So. In terms of what you're doing what sort of items are going to be preserved and, and put on display? A lot of what the Colston Hall collection has is programs so actually we've got a really kind of complete picture of popular music programming in a provincial theatre from the 19th century through to the present day which is actually I think quite rare because programs are ephemeral people kind of buy them and then throw them away so there's a lot of programs there's also a lot of plans a lot of the plans that we have are from when they built the foyer in 2009 although that seems quite recent it's actually kind of told us quite
0: a lot about the building and the history of the city. There was a- time capsule that was buried at the venue in 1951 and that was opened recently what did you find from that? So
2: the time capsule was bricked up into a very damp wall (laughs) I'm afraid to say uh, which isn't ideal for papers so we opened this kind of teak casket with great excitement and as soon as I saw the state of the papers I had to kind of clamp the lid back on wrap it up and bring it straight to the archives to sort it out because um, the damp had got in and it all started to rot. I spent a few sad hours kind of brushing sheets of paper up a museum hoover and trying to save what I could. In that, we had some stuff from the Festival of Britain, which kind of the refurbishment of Colston Hall coincided with that, and some tourist pamphlets of Bristol in the 1950s, and some programmes from the hall. So, you know, printed material which it would have been nice to have, but you know, it's not the end of the world that it was lost because it's not a so unique material but then we also had some typed copies of documents that were produced when the city bought the colston hall and then the very last thing i found after brushing things up a hoover for a few hours was kind of almost untouched newspaper article which was talking about how they were putting this time capsule into this wall and that the teak casket was you know incorruptible and that the things in there would be safe for, you know, hundreds of years to come. So that was a sad moment. (laughs) Well, it was an ironic moment. So
0: a lesson for next time.
2: A lesson for next time. There is talk of putting a new uh, time capsule into the wall, so I guess my advice on that would be to not put any original documents in there.
0: Have you kind of uncovered any secret stories or things that we didn't know about? Most of the evidence for this is in the
2: BBC written archive held at Caversham. and it seems that when London was being bombed they bought the BBC Symphony Orchestra to Bristol to kind of hide them here And there's correspondence about how they might broadcast shows from the Colston Hall by the BBC Symphony Orchestra without revealing the fact that the orchestra were here. Why Hitler would want to target a Symphony Orchestra, I've got no idea. But yeah, they they didn't stay here for long. Okay.
0: (laughs) What's next for your contribution to this project?
2: We're just going to keep on doing what we're doing. So by the time the project ends in 2021, people will be able to view the entire Colston Hall collection on the Bristol Archives catalogue and come
0: and research it for themselves. Amazing. Thank you very much for talking to me. No problem. I'm Harriet Robinson and you're listening to the Transformation Podcast for Colston Hall. You can join in the conversation anytime on Twitter using the hashtag TransformTheHall. And for more information about the project, head to colstonhall.org slash transformthehall. I'm in the Colston Hall foyer, well, kind of just on the joining of the new and the old part of the building, sat in a little nook here in Colston Hall and with Axel Burr, who is an architect for Levitt Bernstein uh, who are the architects working on this project and he's been involved with Colston Hall since 2002 so you've been involved for quite a while so what's the most important aspect of this project for you then?
1: Well the most important aspect I think is to bring it up to 21st century standards because the last time it had any substantial work done on it was in 1951 The building has been struggling since 1951 from lack of investment, basically. And this is a chance to really put it on the map as a modern building with modern facilities, even though it's using all the best bits of the old building to do that.
0: Restoring its former glory.
1: That's correct. I mean, one of the great things we could do by building the foyer was release parts of the old building from what they were doing before to make them work better in the future as a restored part of the building. I mean, for instance, what people now call The Lantern Performance space used to be called the Lesser Hall. And uh, now that we've got this new foyer, we can actually restore the Lesser Hall, which is a beautiful late 19th century hall, to its original form while providing new facilities within it so that it can operate... You know, in current day fashion, it's a beautiful space. It's a great example of late 19th century Bristol architecture.
0: The Bristol style, Bristol Byzantine, Byzantine, we're having trouble deciding how to say it.
1: Yes, Bristol Byzantine, I think Byzantine. is probably the right. <laughs> we'll go with that. Yes.
0: <laughs> What's the significance of this style that we can see on the facade of the building?
1: Bristol Byzantine style was a late 19th century style for commercial warehouse and public buildings by local architects I think that's one of the most important things about it these are good works by local architects and it was a sort of extrovert self-confident vigorous and eclectic style influenced by northern Italy and it's defined by for instance round arches polychrome brickwork red and blue brick dressings and terracotta all of which we've got in this building.
0: Are we going to see a huge difference to Colston Hall even from the outside?
1: I think you'll see a huge difference, both from the outside and very definitely from the inside. I mean, for instance, from the outside, all the windows on the first floor have also been blocked up because when it was used as a theatre, they presumably found the noise and the lights inconvenient, so they blocked them up. Uh, We're going to open them up again, but we're going to soundproof them, and they're going to have blackout as well. So they could either operate in their original form as windows lighting the room, or else the room can be blacked out and be used for events which don't need that light and it'll always be quiet. So we're getting the best of both worlds, really, in, in the restoration, because it's going to look great from the outside and it's going to work well in the inside, we hope.
0: <laughs> that's quite cool. Old with a modern twist.
1: Exactly, that's right, yes. It'll be, it'll be a transformation.
0: Amazing. I'm excited. Are there any kind of weird and wonderful architectural quirks here?
1: Well, we have uncovered a few things that we thought might be there but we didn't know were there. And actually, we're trying to adapt the design to accommodate some of them. Like, for instance, there are a number of arches at the bottom of the original foyer, which have been covered over, and they've now been exposed. I mean, it's really exciting to see them. And also, the levels in the foyer have been changed over time, many times. And in taking out the raised levels, we've discovered bits of the old building, like the bases of... Columns, which are really interesting because we're going to keep them and uh, they may be in a semi-distressed state. We're not going to restore them so they look spankingly new, but we're going to keep them and it's going to be all part of the history of the building there for everybody to see.
0: It must have looked so grand when it was first built.
1: Well, it was a very grand building. It certainly was grand for Bristol and uh, one of the comparator buildings that they were trying to ape the St George's Hall in Liverpool which is a larger building and Liverpool was a bigger city but it was Bristol's sort of version of this of St George's Hall in, in Liverpool really.
0: Axel thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you. I'm back with Ella Kenny for a brief moment who you'll remember is the project officer for Colston Hall's Heritage Project Thank you for not running off, Ella. I just wanted to ask if there's anything going on currently that you can tell us about um, that maybe people can get involved with.
4: Yeah, so every half term we're looking to run heritage themed activities for all of the family to get involved with. It's such a lovely experience. We draw different stories from the archives and then bring them to life through objects and storytelling and then making our own music. So, for example, the last one that we ran, we themed it around wrestling. So we got the children and their families to produce their own wrestling chants and make their own wrestling characters. And then we also developed our own protest song inspired by some of the suffragette activity that happened at the hall. So that included... Very relevant things like wanting more cake and also things such as less pollution and more trees and that kind of thing. So, really
0: ranging protest song. Cool. Really unusual way of working with music as well. You mentioned the suffragettes there. Now, there is a story from Colston Hall. It's about the suffragette Vera Holm who hid in the organ. Do you know this story? Yes. In
4: 1909, she was very active across the board in lots of different cities as part of the suffragette movement. So she was the chauffeur for Emmeline Pankhurst, the first female chauffeur in the country. And yeah, in 1909, there was an anti-suffrage MP called Mr Birrell, who was speaking at the hall. Vera and another suffragette called Elsie Hoey came along to the hall early in the morning, hid inside the organ. In the main hall where Mr. Birrell was due to speak, and waited until he'd started his speech, and then during the speech, disrupted it by shouting votes for women up through the organ pipes. And if you imagine an organ pipe, it's very echoey in a massive hall, so it sounded a bit ghost like. Spooky, yeah, no, it was amazing. And apparently, it took them about half an hour to find out where these suffragettes were, so all of the audience were in complete hysterics, and Mr. Birrell's speech was.
0: Absolutely disrupted, and his message was not
4: clear. So, the suffragettes
0: definitely won that day. Quite an important story of history for Colston Hall, isn't it? Thank you so much for speaking to me, Ella. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we've been talking about the heritage of Colston Hall, and I think sometimes that word can get a bit confused with the history of the building itself, which, of course, is super important for this project and, of course, is going to be preserved. But the cultural heritage is also so important and something we maybe don't talk about as much but there's been so many people who've passed through the doors of Colston Hall who've gone and watched the wrestling and the beauty pageants so many different artists who've graced the stage here I'm really looking forward to hearing more from these memories at the exhibition in November and seeing the amazing drawings as well and I'd like to think even this podcast is contributing to the future heritage of the hall just a little bit I'm Harriet Robinson, and that's it for another Transformation podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. We're taking a break over the summer, but we'll return in the autumn. In the meantime, to hear other podcasts in this series and to find out more about the transformation, please visit colstonhall.org slash transformthehall. Now, before we go, I'm joined by the lovely Bristol musician Lady Nade. Hello. Hi. How's it, it going? Good. <laughs> good, thanks. Jinx. <laughs> Um now what are you looking forward to about the transformation of Coston Hall?
3: Well, as a local artist, I'm really looking forward to the gigs being more accessible and affordable and um, being able to put on shows myself. Um, yeah, that's, that excites me. That everyone can come to. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Cool. Well, we got you here for a reason. And I love the story of Vera Holmes' protest. So as well as national papers covering the stunt at Colston Hall, uh, an issue of Suffragette Mag Votes for Women published a poem written by Holmes herself. So I'm going to hand over to Nade, who is going to read the last, well, read slash sing.
3: Yeah, I think so. The
0: last chord (laughs) for us. Cool. Thank you very much. Enjoy. And we'll see you in the autumn
3: seated one day in the organ we were weary and ill at ease we sat there three hours only hid missed the dusty keys We knew not if they'd be playing, and to us what would happen then. But when we heard Mr Burrell, it was then we protested then. Our voices rang out from the twilight, but nowhere could he be found. They looked from the floor to the ceiling, then the stewards came searching round. We asked, for votes for women, and that justice should be done. But Burrell he could not answer, and the audience made such fun. He said he had come from a squiff, and to him they must give ear. But a voice rang out still louder, making our question clear. It may be that Mr Burrell don't speak in that hall again, and it may be never in Bristol until the vote we game